Final hour overdrive continues. TSN 1050 on the TSN app. Your home smart speaker now up on TSN 2. Brian Hayes, Scott Mitchell in studio. Todd Furman coming up. We'll look at the uh, NFL futures board and see if he's sniffing out any potential uh, angles and action for the preseason and trying to avoid getting greased, right? Like if you're a big book in Vegas, the money's coming in publicly on Tampa and Kansas City. Yeah. It happens every single year. Whoever was in the Super Bowl the year before, especially if you know there's still going to be good teams and it's a big-name quarterback and it doesn't get any bigger than Brady and Mahomes, money's going to be pouring in on those two teams. Yeah. But the lines will be adjusted. You're not getting any value with those two teams. This is the time to pounce, man. And the NFL is prone to it, right? You you put some money down on a team that isn't getting a ton of public love and maybe has a line that is susceptible because Vegas knows they're not really getting squeezed here because no one's putting a lot of change on it. That's where you can make some bank. There's a few I like. Do you like anything? Anything jump out at you? Bill, bills are at 11-ish. Yeah. Most, I, I, most books. I like it. I like the Bills. Uh, I look at like a bounce back. I look at the Niners as a team that were in the Super Bowl two years ago. Last year, they got absolutely crushed yeah. with injuries, like destroyed. Yeah. And I, I haven't seen where they're at on the board recently, but I would think you're getting some value there. Ten and a half. Yeah. So So they got to go. The, the, the new the extra game is, is messing me up when I look at the win totals because I'm so used to a 16-game schedule. So. Mm-hmm. Ten and a half, so you you got to go eleven and six. Ooh, that's a lot. That's a big number. Decent division. Yeah, it is a pretty good division. Um, but like, even if you're looking at like a Super Bowl prop or a Super Bowl futures bet, another team in that division. You look at Arizona, where you're, you're going to have Kyler Murray in his third year, yeah. Cliffy Kingsbury in his third year. Yeah, a team that gets no public love at all. No one talks about the Cardinals. See, I'm not betting Cliff Kingsbury. Not going to do it? betting them. Can't have it? I watched too many Texas Tech games to ever bet this guy at the NFL level. I, I just I, I think he's he, he can run an offense. I think it's uh, a soft offense, and I, I don't think their defense is good enough. So, I mean, eight and a half. I, uh, give, me, give me the Washington football team at eight and a half because that division's hot garbage. I agree with that. It's But you're looking at Fitzmagic to do it again at the quarterback position, but – yeah, like people are talking about that defense being potentially the best in the NFL. Yeah, like I mean you got to go, you got to go nine eight. How do you not go nine eight in that division? That that's but that's what concerns me a little bit. Like, what does Vegas know that we don't? Because it, it seems like yeah. a lot of like maybe it's who else is in that division, so they balance out the board. This is why the board can be very confusing if you don't yeah. if you're not into gambling or you don't really understand the, the the mechanics behind it. And I don't profess to be a bookie or to run you know, the MGM or whatever, but Dallas will always have lower odds than they probably should because they're the public team of public teams. People are going to put money on them because they're Dallas. Mm -hmm. And as a result, Vegas, just in case, they don't want to get burned because so much money's coming in. So they'll, they'll adjust the number a little bit based on that. Washington could be maybe a part of that where it's like, you know, everyone's put money on Dallas, so we're going to lower them a little bit, lower than they're supposed to be. Cowboys at nine. Yeah, I don't. I don't. WFT I mean, Dak will see what half. he's got, but I think Dak will be fine. Yeah. CD Lamb's an absolute star. Nuke 2.0. Yeah. He's going to be. He, well, they got to get he, the ball to him. Though, did man. you see the, too did, many weapons? Did you see the highlight the other day? He torched Jalen Ramsey in a in an inner squad. Did he? Torched him. Well, I mean, Amari Cooper's is he still the number one nope. wide out there? Or? Nope. He's not? You think it's C.D. Lamb? It'll be C.D. Lamb by week six. Okay. 
And then Zeke is a guy that's going to have to get touches. I mean, it's it, they got a lot of weapons down there with the Cowboys. Yeah. It's a good um, team. Their defense might be atrocious. But, but that's the problem, though. Last year it was the same thing. No, they'll be a good team, and they're not. They weren't a good team. So do you want the, do you want the Cowboys with a terrible defense? Do you want the no. – the, Sorry, I was about to say the the old name, the Washington, uh, Washington football, football team. team with the with the great defense. I mean, Antonio Gibson could really be a guy there. Um, Terry McLaurin's a stud. I like Fitz. I think Fitz can do enough. He's proven that for years now. You know how it'll go. He'll have a, a stretch of six weeks where he just lights the world on fire, and then yep. he's atrocious for five or six weeks. So. Yep. No, that's that's exactly what I'll it is. I'll take the over on that eight and a half. I think I'd take the over on Washington as well. Yep. Yeah, I would. But, um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a great time of year because the the CFL is up and running. College football is right around the corner. The NFL is going to be back with a packed stadium. They're going to be doing everything. As far as I know, they're going to have tailgating. They're going to have packed buildings. I mean, of course they are. Have you, have you, yeah, down in the States, the they've done it. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, man. It's, it's a weird existence because there are still a lot of people, like, pleading. Like, please, let's get on. Yeah. You know, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's worry about the Delta variant. And it's very, it's abundantly clear that there's, you know, at least half the other part of the country that's like, now we're done. Yeah. Like, not doing this anymore. Moving on. Weird times. And, yeah, so, you know, how will that affect the NFL? I'm not, not exactly sure. But COVID is still lurking, man. It's knocking some guys out. You know, like. Well, that's, I mean, I want to ask Todd this. I mean, you know, how do you handicap differently based on, you know, Lamar Jackson not wanting to get vaccinated and the fact that he could get you know, get the virus at any point. Imagine you got it for a third time. It's like getting struck by lightning. He's had it twice already. <laughs> this guy's just like, I'm I'm going to take a chance here. I don't think it's going to happen a third sure. time. Uh, here is Todd Furman. He's a former odds maker, bet the board podcast host, and he joins us here on Overdrive. What's happening, Todd? Not a whole heck of a lot, gentlemen. How are you guys this fine Wednesday afternoon? Yeah. Uh, we're doing very well. Like we said, the NFL is less than a month away, so we're feeling good about that. And, you know, preseason's up and running, so there's some action to be had. And uh, Scotty pointed that out when you when you're looking at the board or you're trying to adjust a number, and and try to predict the future. How does COVID affect the gambling world and the idea of putting a board together? It's definitely changed the dynamic in terms of the way we're going about handicapping some of the season long bets, uh, especially as you talk about win totals, odds to win the various divisions, conference futures, what have you. Because here's the interesting dynamic in play. When you look at the NFL, they're doing everything they can to encourage players to get vaccinated. The NFLPA has pushed back a little bit on that. They claim they want more pervasive testing. And the thing that we've already seen as evidence last night on Hard Knocks for those folks that watched, you don't see the same levels of social distancing now in camp that we saw last year. A lot more lax with mask policies. And we're operating under the assumption you may see more players this season actually miss games if they test positive for the virus than what we saw last year. So it's going to be a wait-and-see approach. Fingers crossed that the season can go on uh, as regularly scheduled, and we won't be playing games on Sundays minus a few marquee superstars each and every week. So, Todd, me and you go way back. Back years. Yeah, I don't want you to tell everybody that, Scott. I mean, that's not something I'm very proud of. I mean, you know some of my secrets, so don't, 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 don't tell anybody that either. So when, <laughs> when you look at, at some of these win totals this year, does anything, like, jump out at you? Because I know we, we text a lot, and I always ask your opinion on things. And, you know, wh what do you like right now? So I've taken a couple smaller positions uh, on win totals. One early on that I'm not as bullish on at this point uh, as I was about four weeks ago when I bet it was the Minnesota Vikings going over eight and a half. You talk about vaccination status, and their quarterback has been one of the more outspoken players in regards to that situation. So 
That's a win total that I've bet, but wouldn't encourage people to run to bet at nine. One that I just bet about 48 hours ago that I still think offers some value is the New Orleans Saints under their total uh, at nine and a half, but I'd feel comfortable going under nine. All the drama starting to brew with Michael Thomas and the cryptic messages he's putting out on social media. Sean Payton reluctant to name a starting quarterback and maybe being married to the idea that somehow Taysom Hill will give them a more dynamic passing slash running threat. Uh, which I don't quite understand. Uh, And then the sudden retirement of a veteran in Patrick Robinson. Not necessarily the impact he was going to have on the defensive backfield, but you always wonder when all these storylines kind of come to a head, what exactly is going on in camp. So with the Saints, I think there's a definite regression with their on-field leader, Drew Brees. Yeah, betting the unders, man. You know you're committed to the game when you're like, I got to hit the unders because there's always value with the unders, right? Like naturally you want to bet the over. You want to believe it's going to push. Um, do you sense that year over year? I mean, is, is Vegas give you more opportunity to bet the unders? A hundred percent. When you look at win totals, and I encourage anybody out there, uh, you know, when you go through it and you add up all the available wins in the betting markets, they're typically shaded about four or five percent, if not more, depending on your chosen book, where there just aren't that many wins to be had because books know that the recreational player wants to root for good things to happen, whereas professional bettors have it more ingrained in them that things are inevitably going to go wrong, especially in a league like the National Football League where players are going to miss extended periods of time. And if you're betting a win total thinking all of these things have to go right for you to be able to cash a ticket, I come at it from a very different thought process going, all it takes is one injury and suddenly I'm going to be in the catbird seat. I don't root for players to get injured. I don't think anybody should. But at the same time, we know it is a league of attrition and it's not always the best teams that win games. It's the teams that are healthiest when the games mean the most. Uh, So Josh Allen, rich man, great player deep roster on this Bills team. Where do you sit? I see, I see them at 11 most places right now. Um, what do you like about this team, and where are you at with them? I'm trying to wonder when Josh Allen can buy up entire city blocks in western New York, knowing exactly what's going on there. But clearly the team wanted to make a commitment to him, and you look at the way Josh Allen has developed over the last couple of years. I think Brian Dable deserves a ton of credit. Uh, and the Bills kind of changing their offensive philosophy last year, going to a more pass-heavy attack, especially on early downs, putting Allen in advantageous situations so you weren't consistently playing behind the down and distance. When I look at their win total at 11, it's not one that's going to get on my radar, but I'd make a case to go under the total more so than over. And it's not because I believe that Allen and the Bills regress, but the schedule is significantly more difficult than what they encountered last year. Uh, You look at the strength of opposing pass defenses they're going to face. It's a massive upgrade year over year. Uh, And this, of course, for a team that last season went 15-2 and against all teams not named the Kansas City Chiefs, 0-2 against Kansas City. And I do think the defense makes strides. It's just the schedule, in my opinion, knowing that it's going to take 12 wins to cash a ticket. I don't think it'll require that many wins for them to win the division. So I'd feel a little bit more comfortable betting Buffalo to win the AFC East than I would be betting them to go over their win total. We're chatting with Todd Furman. You can check out the podcast, Bet the Board Podcast. You mentioned Kansas City a moment ago, and Scotty and I were talking about Kansas City and Tampa. Naturally, you know, they were in the Super Bowl last year, and they got super they got, they got superstar quarterbacks. So a ton of money is going to come in on them. They're, they're getting, you know, you're not getting a lot of, of you know, great odds in your favor if you're going to hammer away at Kansas City, hammer away at Tampa. But the expectation is that both teams will double down, win a lot of games, and, and potentially compete again for a Super Bowl. So what kind of advice would you have if someone is leaning towards putting some scratch on, on a futures bet with Kansas City and or Tampa Bay, I guess, to, to go back to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, whatever it might be? 
With those two teams uh, being that they're in that prohibitive favorite territory, I'd almost take a wait-and-see approach. So if you look at the defending Super Bowl champs, it obviously all came together for them uh, throughout January. You talk about a team needing to go on the road, win three games before they brought the Lombardi Trophy back to Tampa. The schedule sets up relatively favorably for them. I think all of us as football fans are anxiously anticipating that first game in Sunday where Tom Brady will make his triumphal return in New England. But you look at their schedule going up to the bye, and maybe the game at Los Angeles on September 26th is the potential landmine there. But things set up quite nicely for this team to be 6-1, and one, maybe even 7-0, and oh, headed into their bye week. I just don't think the number that you're seeing in the futures market in that 4.5 to 5 range to win the Super Bowl is going to get that much shorter. So I don't think there's uh, any incentive to bet it now. Kansas City, on the other hand, is a team that I want to watch early on because while we know about Patrick Mahomes and their bevy of skill position talent, this is going to be a completely retooled offensive line. And there could be some growing pains uh, for them when you look at their first three opponents uh, that'll include home dates against Cleveland and LA sandwiched in the middle will be a road trip against the Baltimore Ravens so with the Chiefs I think there's potential that they could struggle out of the gates and you may be able to grab a slightly better number if you're bullish on the Chiefs regular season outlook uh, you can always try and explore Patrick Mahomes as MVP uh, or maybe even a little more bold proclamation uh, and take Andy Reid to be coach of the year. I want to switch gears a little bit. College football, you know how much I watch. Um, Heisman favorites. Uh, Spencer Rattler, clearly the, the favorite at every book, and Oklahoma quarterbacks, uh, good reason, have a good history with that. Um, to me, the favorite usually never wins. Um, you know, is it smart to bet him, even though that offense is going to be good? For me, if you really believe in Spencer Rattler, and I think those of us around the college football world uh, understand that this is definitely the most talented quarterback as far as skill set that Lincoln Riley's had during his time in Norman, which says an awful lot when you consider he's had two number one picks already. The biggest question for Rattler is will he be right between the ears? And I think if he shows that maturation, he can lead Oklahoma to an undefeated regular season or maybe one loss max. But rather than betting Rattler to win the Heisman, I'd probably be more inclined to bet Oklahoma to win the national championship uh, and take advantage uh, of some of the pricing there, even bet them to win the Big 12. Uh, if I was trying to identify a quarterback that I felt slightly more comfortable in betting, uh, I'd probably go after C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. You know, he's in that 16-18-1 to 1 range. This is a guy who's going to take over a high-powered offense with two NFL-caliber talents at wide receiver, and we've seen Ryan Day really be able to get the most out of that quarterback position. The other nice luxury that you have if you bet Stroud, his odds are going to shrink considerably if he puts on a show week two when the Oregon Ducks come into Columbus to take on the Buckeyes. And that's typically what I'm going to look for. Rattler could put up big numbers, but I don't think beating up on Tulane, Western Carolina, Nebraska, and West Virginia are going to open some eyes. So I don't see his odds changing much uh, until he goes out there early on and September, excuse me, October, and takes on Texas, that's where you could see his odds shrink considerably. With Todd Furman, if I were to offer you up uh, Alabama and Clemson versus the field for 100 bucks, where would you put your money to win the national I, title? I'd actually be inclined to take the field. It's not because I don't believe in Alabama and Clemson. Uh, Clemson will have an inside track getting to the college football playoff, only one game on their schedule as it stands now, where they won't be a double-digit favorite, and that's the season opener against Georgia. Alabama defensively, they're going to be outstanding. But I do worry a little bit about what that offense will look like. Steve Sarkeesian hands the baton off to Bill O'Brien. Bryce Young comes in a little bit inexperienced. Uh, and while they do have NFL-caliber talent at wide receiver, uh, I'm not sure that John Mechie can replicate the production that we saw from Devontae Smith 
uh, and Jalen Waddle before he got injured last year. Clemson, meanwhile, uh, DJ Ongolele is going to be great, but he's still not Trevor Lawrence. I think this might be the year that an Oklahoma or Georgia or maybe somebody else slightly more off the radar can come up and get him. So I would take the field against those two heavyweights. I like it. Bet the board podcast. Check it out. He is Todd Foreman. Uh, it's great to have you on, Todd. We'll uh, do this again down the road. Thank you for this. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me. And, Scotty, don't run to the window to bet the Argos to win the Grey Cup just yet. It was only one comeback against your beloved Stampeders. <laughs> on point, on point. Thanks for, thanks for joining us, buddy. Always a pleasure. There he is, Todd Furman. This guy, how much information does he have in his brain? But a lot gambling and sports. He's and a football. computer. He a big hockey guy. He's from, originally from Chicago, so he's a, a huge hockey guy too. Um, I like it. Tracking but, the the Argos and the CFL and the Stamps. Yeah, you'd be surprised. the The lines were loose like five, six years ago. He he knew that. So um, you know, or you make money betting the CFL. Hundred percent. It's a line is a line. You know, it's football. It's uh, yeah. I mean, you can you can find some you can find some soft lines. You can find some value there. So I, it's interesting. I like it. Sniffing out the value. Todd Furman joining us here on Overdrive. Uh, Brad Lidge still to come. We'll get back into the Jays and and what they have in store tonight. They're coming off a, a split in that doubleheader yesterday, and uh, Alec Manoa on the mound tonight up against Dylan Bundy and tomorrow Shohei Otani against Jose Barrios. See what uh, Brad thinks of that matchup and Must more. See TV. Absolutely. We'll spin it around the uh, major leagues with Brad Lidge still to come. Overdrive continues, TSN 1050 and on TSN 2. All right, Brad Lidge will join us here in a moment. Scott Mitchell's in here all afternoon. Talked a little bit about Elias Patterson and what he had to say. He was speaking to a media member, I believe, overseas. And uh, he's in RFA. He's waiting for a contract with the Canucks. And he said, quote, my agents do all the talking with the team, uh, and then they inform me about what's going on. Uh, we're not in an agreement, but I'm not worried that we're not going to solve it eventually. Both parties need to be happy in order to find a solution, but I'm not worried about that happening. This is where I get spicy here. I want to stay in Vancouver, but I also want to play for a team that's winning and has a chance to go far in the playoffs every year. I feel like we've got a chance to do that next year. If we have that chance when my deal expires, I don't know. I just want to play where there's a chance of winning. That is a pretty pretty significant comment like that sounds like a guy that knows he's going to get paid and he just wants to put a little pressure on the front office to make sure that uh, he's surrounded with talent to win Mm -hmm. which makes sense it does it it's going to be blown out of proportion in vancouver because vancouver is a canadian hockey town and this is a star on that team so this is i can only imagine what they're doing in vancouver today this will be they'll, they'll be going crazy over this comment because it it I don't think they'll take it with a grain of salt that he's currently negotiating. And, yes, he thinks both sides need to be happy, but he wants to get paid. Like, it's a business. He wants to get paid. He wants to make sure that Vancouver knows uh, that and that he is not going to take – you know, he's not going to take a deal that um, is, is going to put him in a position where he can't have some power as well, right? Like, if he's getting paid a lot of money, yeah. he's going to have a say in some things. But I think it might be a sign of the modern athlete who's there's, – there's some truth in this. Like saying I want to win, I, that's not. Why would you not want to hear that? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's uh, this is the the way we're trending with athletes. Yeah. they have you know more say. It all starts with the NBA. You know, you see NFL players starting to do it now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the quarterbacks trying to 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 have a little bit more say in what goes on. And you know, I don't I don't disagree. And like, I mean, what's the what is his consensus on what the what the Canucks have done this off season? I mean, the OEL, OEL trade was was interesting for sure. With 
that money. Yeah, they brought on a lot of long-term money. Um, there's a guy who's who's Swedish to Oliver Ekman Larson, like Pedersen, like that. Mm-hmm. I think was maybe a part of the thinking as well. They need Ekman Larson to play, but make sure Pedersen's comfortable with his surroundings and with the guys that are in the room. Um, Vancouver's a tough team to get a read on because last year I, I really think was a complete write-off. Like it, it they were not a very good team to begin with. They really did not have a great start to the season, but COVID ravaged that room. Like it yeah. completely knocked them out. And by the time they returned, it was over. Like, the season was over. So I take it all kind of with a grain of salt. They reset. They're in a weak division in the Pacific. Um, can they get in? Yeah, I think there's a possibility. I don't think it's a lock. But if Pedersen's talking long-term here, putting some pressure on the organization uh, I think is a good thing. I think it's easy for me to say on the outside, as someone who's not in Vancouver and who's not a Canucks fan, I think you'd be nervous because – if he follows through on this, and it's not just simply a bluff, three, four, five years down the road, he might walk. Uh, I mean, but that should be expected. The team's awful. It's on him too. If he's that elite player that he was a couple of years ago, that everyone thought, then mm-hmm. you know that's uh, going to be a lot better than what he was last year. Was he hurt last year? He was hurt last year. He was he was in and out of the lineup, and he never looked like himself. No. He never did. Um, his rookie campaign, his second year, like his rookie year, he won Rookie of the Year. He had a great season. Yeah. And I, I still think he's a guy that can give you 75, 80 points a year. Maybe he has a couple of years where he gets up over 90, 95. Fun player to watch, entertaining player. Uh, not very big guy, though. Like, he's been targeted yeah. by the opposition, which will continue. He's got to learn to play through that. Um, but putting, like, putting it to Toronto, and I know people in Vancouver are going to reach out to me and say, well, what if Matthews said this? Well, listen, Matthews might act on this in a few years. And yeah. if the team isn't good enough and the team is not in a position to win, I, you can't blame an athlete when they become a free agent and they have a power to make a choice to say, we're good, I'm going to take my talent somewhere else. You know, it wouldn't be the first time, will not be the last time. So that feels, It feels, I mean, it's August 11th. That feels like a deal that's going to get done. It will get done. Yeah, pretty it quick. will. And that, that's the, the truth of this is we're talking years down the road. It, it's, it's somewhat of a threat. Like, I'll walk yeah. if you guys don't do your job. Yeah. Um, but it may maybe is unnecessary, and maybe he needs, he may regret these comments because of the marketplace. They'll come up when he rolls in there day one. This thing's coming up. These yeah. comments are coming up. Yeah, I think saying you want to win, and and you know saying you want to be part of a winner. I mean, that's what you want to hear. Um, it's just different when there's contract stuff going on at the same time. That is when it gets complicated, and that's when you know that uh, everything said, everything done comes with a bit of a motive. Right. More money, more problems, man. Notorious said it a long that's time right. ago. Yep, that's right. And if he gets paid, guess what? Then the, the spotlight's going to be on him anyway because of how important he is to the team's success. Elias Patterson's got to play really well. But if he gets a monster deal, that contract, it hangs on you. Like, that's on your back. What do you got? You know, yep. like the kids in Toronto have been through it. They went through the contract struggles. They got paid. And it comes up constantly. And it comes up more than ever in the playoffs and when yeah. you don't perform in the playoffs and when you fail in the playoffs yeah. you know it's listen if austin matthews no one cares about his cap hit when he's scoring 60. no one cares about mitch marner's cap hit when he's putting up massive numbers during the regular season it's come playoff time yeah first round exits up. that's when your cap hit comes that's up. it and it, as ironically it as exactly, it that's when the cap actually doesn't even exist in the playoffs uh the jays are back in action tonight they split the uh 
doubleheader yesterday. Alec Manoa on the mound tonight um, in Anaheim taking on the Angels and to chat about that amongst some other things league-wide in the majors. We're joined now by former MLB closer and big part of MLB Network Radio. Here is Brad Lidge back on Overdrive. How you doing, Brad? I'm doing fantastic. How about you guys? We're doing really well. We've been talking a lot about this Jays team, uh, as I'm sure you can understand, with uh, how well they've been playing and, yeah. and specifically the arms. Like You've been on the show a bunch of times in the past, and it always would come up how the, the rotation was a position of weakness and it would take them a while to figure it out. We actually had Ross Atkins, their GM, on last hour, and we pointed this out that Robbie Ray, Jose Barrios, Hyunjin Ryu are all top ten in the American League in, in ERA for starters, and Alec Manoa is a young stud. Yeah. Like, are you surprised at all it's yeah. happened like this, where all of a sudden they got some pretty quality starting pitchers? You know, I guess I'm a little surprised. I mean, obviously, you know, we didn't foresee Barrios coming over, but, you know, at the start of the year. But I think, for me, it's it's kind of the guys at the back end. I mean, Steven Matz, Manoa, uh, Manoa's been throwing fantastic, but even Matz is getting the ball and getting out there and getting his job done. And, yeah, when you look at those top three, those arms in that rotation, I mean, you, you're going to get quality start after quality start on most nights. And, you know, with that offense, if you can put up five innings, two runs, six innings, three runs, you're going to feel really good about your chances to win a ball game. And so, you know, I think the, the rotation is probably one of the bigger surprises in baseball this year, uh, what they've been able to accomplish. I'd say maybe that and the Red Sox rotation actually staying healthy this year is a very big uh, surprise as well. But, the performance of the Jays um, has been great, and uh, you know they 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 went out and, and getting Barrios really just solidifies one area that they really need some help. Obviously, you know they brought in Brad Hand, and the bullpen's been uh, better. Certainly, I think Romano punching out Otani with a 99 mile an hour fastball to end uh, that second game last night was pretty spectacular. So they ha- they have to feel very good right now about that staff, but. You know, I mean, let's not kid anybody. The the real secret to success for the Jays will continue to be for the next month and a half of that explosive offense. And, um, you know, if those guys can continue to perform the way they have, um, I'm going to be honest. I think the, the Red Sox are on their way down right now. I really don't like the way they're playing. The bullpen's been giving it up. The bullpen for the Red Sox was having kind of career years in the first half of the season before the deadline, and we've seen some reversal in that now. And uh, it makes you wonder if they're going to continue to fall. And I think the Jays have a more complete team than the Yankees as well. So uh, it is very realistic right now for the Jays to start thinking about, uh, you know, making a push here for this wild card spot, the second wild card spot. Well, you mentioned that. I mean, a lead offense and a strong starting rotation is a, a pretty good combo to have. But the bullpen, I mean, we're probably going to talk about it all the way down the stretch. And it's so key in, in tight games. Um, what do you make of it? I mean, Adam Simber is a, is a nice look. Uh, you know, potentially Julian Merriweather, potentially Nate Pearson, Jordan Romano, Brad Hand. Just what do you make of this group and kind of what they have and what they could have coming in, in Pearson and Merriweather? Yeah, I think, um, I think it's good enough, I guess, would be my, you know, kind of bottom line on this bullpen. Um, I think, you know, as the, as the confidence grows with these guys, having to pitch in bigger games than they've ever had to pitch in, uh, you know, with the exception of Hand, who's obviously pitched in a lot of, in a lot of big games. Um, you know, I think they're, they're going to get better and better, and, uh, boy, they're going to have to pitch in a lot of games down the stretch. And so, you know, we were talking about this before, but one of the keys, keys for them will be, uh, you know, to be able to manage that bullpen to get everybody in a position to succeed, but to get those guys in a comfortable spot where they know, okay, uh, you know, before the game I'm going to be, you know, pitching in this, in this role, but not necessarily, you know, game to game. I'd love to see kind of an established pecking order for the Jays down the stretch where, 
you know, if it's a if it's a do or die game, how does that bullpen line up? Who's throwing the sixth inning? Who's throwing the seventh, eighth, and ninth? And I think once they start developing that, the guys start taking a lot of ownership in their role and in their inning and in their spot. So you know, like if you're the setup guy, you you want to dominate that eighth inning, and you really start to feel mentally ready and prepared for that night in and night out. But I think you know, you look at the arms. I think the Jays have them. I think the talent's there. The quality of arms is there. But they're until they kind of really get locked in. There, there's going to be a couple more miscues. It's a it's a division with some great offenses, very potent offenses. So, you know, I think you know when you when you look at the Jays' numbers statistically uh, in that bullpen, you know, keep in mind it's a really offensive division, and that doesn't make things very easy either. I cover this team on a, a day-to-day basis, and sticky stuff. We've talked about it obviously for a while now. Um, I know I know Romano's dealt with it, especially on the slider. I know Hands dealt with it too. There were some worries when he came over. Um, you know, talking to people around the game, relievers. How much do you think that teams and and players are still trying to adjust to this on on you know with certain guys? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that certain guys certainly are. Uh, you know, I think uh, you know your Garrett Coles of the world who. You know, I don't think it's any secret that when he went over to Houston, you know, he was uh, able to kind of figure out that uh, that sticky stuff, and as are have several others. But um, you know, he's still a great pitcher. I mean, great great pitchers are still going to rise to the occasion, but we might just not see the ridiculous numbers that some of these guys were putting up. Um, but that being said, it kind of harkens back to a little bit more of a you know of a of a pitcher that has to go out there and grind sometimes. You know, sometimes you don't have your best stuff. Sometimes the spin rates aren't through the charts because you've got the sticky stuff. So how can you respond to that? Um, I think for for most guys, they've made their way through this. Uh, certainly for a handful of other guys where the expectations are really high, it's going to be a little bit of a test for them from, from here on out. But I think by and large, most pitchers have adopted and, and adapted to, uh, to not having the sticky stuff. And the ones that haven't, I mean, maybe they're not having that great of a season and we don't really know exactly how much of that they were using, but... I would say by this point, guys feel pretty comfortable not using it. We're, we're chatting with uh, Brad Lidge, longtime MLB closer, MLB Network radio host. Uh, Jay's back in action tonight, again, out in uh, L.A., taking on the Angels. We were talking about this earlier in the week about Mike Trout and, and where he stands in his career, where he's been dealing with this injury all year. It doesn't feel as if he's going to come back. He might, but with the team basically being out of the running, there's a pretty good chance that they just say take the rest of the year off figure it out, come back at 100%. Um, Trout is, I mean, he's been spectacular his whole career. But what is it about the Angels that they just cannot figure it out as an organization? Why can they not get over the top? Because they just seem to be perpetually at 500 year in, year out. Well, I'll give you a direct answer. It's because they invest everything they have in offense, and they've invested nothing in their pitching staff. And I think it's a crying shame, to be totally honest, because – they, you know, the year they got Rendon, there were many quality arms out there. It's great to have, you know, Anthony Rendon in that lineup, but you already have a talented lineup and the huge deficit with starting pitching. And, you know, a lot of times you can figure out a bullpen on the fly. You can make some moves. You can sign some guys for not too much. That's not going to kill you financially. But it's like they just haven't figured out that because they have a ton of injuries there, and they have that with the starting rotation, they need to go ahead and layer up, and they need to get several guys. And it's funny because they were very much in the sweepstakes for Garrett Cole. They didn't land him, and they could have pivoted to a lot of different guys, you know, you know, high-quality starters in the major leagues, and probably got two or three guys for the price of a Garrett Cole and been feeling really good about themselves that same offseason. But they didn't get Cole, and they didn't bring in any single other pitcher that particular offseason. And they just continue to 
you know, try and get guys on the fly and, you know, take a shot on Matt Harvey or whoever it is instead of going out and getting quality arms for that rotation. It surprises me every single year that they don't do it. But that is, I mean, it's 100% that. I mean, this, this is a team that has had tons of Tommy John for their starting – Tommy John surgeries for their starting pitchers. And instead of building up depth and, and a lot of good arms, they've gone the other direction and just tried to roll the dice and hope they can catch lightning in a bottle with a lot of guys. And it just it hasn't worked. And, I, it, like I said, it's a shame to see because you want, you want to see Otani in the postseason. You want to see Trout in the postseason. Uh, but these guys are, are – you know, the Angels organization is going to have to figure out they've got to invest in starting pitching if that's ever going to happen. Well, I mean, I, I think you just hit the nail on the head. And the idea that Trout has played three playoff games in his career – uh, I believe maybe it's two travesty. Yeah, it's it is. I mean, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's three. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think it was a best out of five series, so it was probably three games. And I think he had one hit, and that's all we seen. And they got swept. That's right. Yeah, it was. It was the ALDS. It was a best of five, three games. They got swept. See you later. And and in terms of the legacy, I mean, he's analytically he's going to have a case to be one of the four or five greatest players of all time if he stays healthy and plays another seven, eight, ten years. But how how do you think we might look back on his career? If he has quite literally no playoff success, how 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 can we put him up with the all-time greats if he never gets an opportunity to prove it in October? Yeah, I think you can't. I think you know that will be his shortcoming. If you say, "Is he one of the ten best hitters ever?" You probably players ever. You'd say, "Yeah." Is he one of the five best players ever? Uh, even if he has an explosive seven, eight, nine, ten years to come, you're still always going to be left with that thought of. Can I compare him to, you know, Mickey Mantle? Can I compare him to, you know, Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, Albert Pujols, the greatest, you know, hitters in the game? Those guys all have multiple rings, but uh, Trout hasn't even been, you know, past one postseason series, and they got swept. So it's it's really tough to even think about how to compartmentalize that. You're, we're going to be able to say he's one of the greatest, uh, you know, players we've ever seen, uh, but without the postseason resume, no matter what he does in his career. I don't think we'll ever be able to say he's one of the top three or four or five best hitters. We, we, those guys separate themselves in the postseason also. And uh, I just, you know, as much as I love the guy, I can't give him that without seeing him deep in the postseason. So it's killing his legacy, in other words, and it's really unfortunate. You mentioned that AL East race before. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think the Red Sox, you know, kind of shot out of the gates and are, are probably, you know, on their way down a little bit. I know Chris Sale could maybe change that uh, that equation a little bit, but who do you think the best team is in the AL East? Uh, the best team in the AL East, I mean, you know, I think team-wise, I think we'd all probably say the Rays, uh, just because they're able to, uh, you know, time and again have come from behind wins, have incredible bullpen efforts. They never give away games toward the end. The defense is always so solid. And it's interesting because a lot of times they'll come out flat against starters and when they start to figure out the, you know, solve the other team's starting pitching, uh, you know, especially a year like this where they've got a, a hot offense, uh, the other teams will bring in their bullpen guys, and they will clobber sixth, seventh, eighth inning guys. Um, and it's pretty dang impressive to watch night in and night out. I think they have the best team, but honestly, I would not pick them to go. Like, I would pick the Jays to go deeper into the postseason if they made it than the Rays. Uh, there's a lot of teams I would pick to go deeper because at some point you've got to have – great starting pitching or at least really good starting pitching and the Rays have been able to do all this uh with very below average starting pitching um Tyler Glasnow is not coming back they didn't pick up anyone else and uh you know I, I think you know even last year you look at Blake Snell firing on all cylinders in the postseason uh Charlie Morton doing his thing and they had really solid 
starting pitching last year. They don't have those guys this year. They don't have Glasnow either. So um, I can't see them getting deep into the postseason. I can see them continuing to win a ton of regular season games, and then I think it stops there for them when they get to their first series. Well, what about league-wide in the American League? Uh, Chicago is the team that is locked to, to cruise to the playoffs, and you know their rotation's been outstanding. Lance Lynn has been off the charts good this year. Uh, they pick up Kimbrell yeah. at, the, at the deadline. Uh, they're locked in there with Liam Hendricks and Kimbrell. They've, they've, they've got the bats, and, and again, they're going to be able to really ease into the playoffs and set up the rotation because we know they're going there. And then Houston and Oakland are battling it out. I think both teams are going to get in. Um, so yeah. taking the AL East out of it, you know, who, who do you like out of those three teams I mentioned that you believe have the best opportunity at representing the American League in the World Series? You know, I think it's the Chicago White Sox. Um, you know, they Okay. There you go, Scotty. We almost got through your first full show here without any phone issues. And hey, at least just it wasn't about, me. At least I didn't back. do okay. We got you back, Brad. You we got we dropped you there, buddy. Yeah, we got you, man. Yeah, you got me? Yeah, we okay. got you. Go ahead about the Sox. Why do you like them? Yeah, yeah. listen, I think it's the Sox. And uh, obviously the, the Kimbrel trade really kind of solidified any potential weakness they might have there. But when you, when you look at how good that rotation is, one through five, and then, you know, in a, in a close playoff game, you can hand the ball off to Kopech, Kimbrel, and Hendricks. I mean, it's it's game over. And they have that recipe and they have that formula. And I think, you know, unlike a lot of teams in 2021, they're going to go directly to that particular formula. Kimbrel is now the eighth inning guy uh, by all, you know, by everything I can ascertain. Hendricks is going to close, and uh, Kopech is just absolutely dealing in that sixth, seventh inning. So they don't even need their guys to go that deep. They're, they're star starters, but. When you bring back Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert, now all of a sudden that lineup is even more dangerous. And uh, when you've got LaRusse at the helm, he's been there. He knows how to do it. He knows how to you know, match up guys for success in the regular season, but especially in the postseason. So I just don't think they have uh, you know, any weakness in particular. Uh, you know, Somebody was like, oh, well, hey, if they win the division by too many games, or, you know, are they going to cruise in and not have to play those playoff-type games and maybe they'll cool off? I don't think so. LaRusso's managed, you know, teams that have won their division by a ton of games, teams that have had, you know, tight division finishes, but he's been there and done it and, and seen it all. So he knows how to get any of those situations under control. And uh, this team is, uh, this team is, you know, poised to go deep, deep into the postseason. And I would have to say they're my pick to represent the American League. So I'll put you on the spot here. You obviously like the White Sox. Everyone thought we'd be talking about the Dodgers kind of being the runaway favorites at this point. There's, I mean, I think there's like six, seven teams with 66-plus wins. Um, who's your World Series pick at this point? Yeah, it's funny because I still would favor the Dodgers, but every day that passes that they don't win, uh, you know, or, or I should say that the Giants don't lose, um, it's going to get tougher and tougher for the Dodgers to, to win that division. The Giants have a four-game game lead on them right now, and they're, they, the Giants have a nice home schedule coming up here for the next nine games. Um, it's going to be tough for the Dodgers. Even if the Dodgers play great, I, I think the Giants are going to continue to play great too. There's a chance the Dodgers could face, you know, maybe Blake Snell gets hot for the Padres if the Padres win the other wild-card spot. You know, he did fantastic against the Dodgers last year in the postseason. Maybe he matches up against the Dodgers in a wild-card spot shuts them down, and, you know, the Padres have a great pen. It's possible the Dodgers could get bounced without even playing a series, but oddly enough, I'm still picking them to, to win uh, the World Series and to represent, well, to represent the National League and then to win the World Series. They still have the best team top to bottom. I mean, they just really do. And when you've got Walker Buehler and Max Scherzer on the same rotation, 
You got Trey Turner in there now. I just I don't see any reason that another team could really go toe to toe with these guys. And I think the confidence is there. And uh, yeah, I'd be surprised if anyone takes them down. But like I said, it's possible. It's possible they might not even make a playoff series this year. Right. It's it's going to be a fun ride uh, in the in the NL West. I mean, that, that's the best one, two, three I've seen in a long, long time. Where they're just stacked, man. They're, they're all the, famers. Absolutely, it's the three three best teams in the National League. Might be the three best teams in the league, or close to it. I mean, the White Sox would would probably put their hands up too in Tampa, et cetera. But uh, it's always great to catch up with you, Brad. We'll do it again down the road. Thank you for this. All right, guys, you bet. Have a good one. There's uh, Brad Lidge, MLB Network radio host, longtime MLB closer. But yeah, the 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 Giants, Dodgers, and Padres run differential. Some that some that comes up a lot in in baseball. And they're all plus 100 or better. And, and like, the Dodgers are plus yeah. 176 runs. Yeah. The Giants are plus 131. The Padres are plus 108. When was the last time a division in August had three teams with a run differential like that? Right now there's nine teams with 65-plus wins in baseball. So, I mean, there's, like, right at the top there's a lot of parity. I, I think it's mm-hmm. setting up for being, you know, a great postseason because I think – I don't disagree with them. I, I think, you know, the Rays are vulnerable once you get into that postseason because of the starting pitching, the lack of kind of impact. Same thing we were talking about with the Blue Jays last year. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree that if the Jays get in and win a wild card game, they could go on a run with what they've got. Um, you know, I like the White Sox. Uh, I, I like the Yankees a little more. I think if Luis Severino comes back and he looks like he can, um, and it's been a long time since we've seen him look uh, like an elite starter, but. I like what the Yankees did at the deadline. And then, yeah, you mentioned those three NLS teams. And then no one talks about the Brewers. And they got Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns. And it's interesting. It's it's setting up to be uh, an interesting postseason. Absolutely. And, and maybe the best race is actually the NL East. And it's because it's just yeah. been so bad. I mean, the Mets are terrible all of a sudden. Like guess, they, guess who picked the Mets to win the World Series this year? Did you have <laughs> the New York Mets to win the World Series? I wanted to go outside the box. I didn't want to pick Listen, the Dodgers. Listen, that felt great like two or three weeks ago. You were I, cruising. I, I still feel decent about it just because you said how bad the division is. And yep. you get Thor back, and he's going to come back in a relief role. But uh, I think Thor will be back. Yeah, I, I think they. They could make some noise, but I don't feel great about it. I don't think they're winning a World Series. I didn't I mean, bet it, put it that way. Yeah, you just said it. It's it's not as valuable. I just Saying wrote it, it down. I you just wrote, wrote it, it down. down. You wrote it down. I think, exactly. I think Steve Phillips took the Dodgers. So That's a pretty good pick. Well, I that's mean, a safe pick. That's yeah, the safest pick in pro sports. It's boring. It's taking the Dodgers. Dodgers, Chiefs. Tampa Bay Lightning. You know what we need to get? We need to get Phillips on here so we can we can chirp some of our early season picks because we we had some doozies on both sides. Did I had, you? I had Hassan Kim winning the NL Rookie of the Year, and he's just a bench guy. <laughs> uh, Phillips, I'll call him out. I don't mean to do this. Actually, yes, I do. He yeah. he took Vladdy under 29 home runs. <laughs> that one hurts. He blew past that about a month ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I texted him. That was a tough one for him. Yeah, that one um, hurt. That yeah. one stung. But for uh, sure. I took Tyler Glasnow to win Cy Young. That that blew not up good. with his elbow. Yeah, it looks great. Good. That's so. not good at all. Like I, I think Lance time. Lynn's going to win the Cy Young in the American League. Lance Lynn, what did he do taking that two-year deal? It was a weird, weird thing because he could have been on the market getting way more. We were talking about this in the press box the other day because it, it was a strange contract for him to take. Well, listen, he's going to get if he puts up these kind of numbers, he'll get paid. Just the kicking the can down the road. Yeah. The guy's numbers have been off the charts all year. 
Uh, so thanks again to Brad Lidge. We'll come back and, and tee up the Jays game one more tonight, wrap up a busy afternoon. Overdrive continues. TSN 1050 and on TSN 2. All right, game three of the series tonight. Jays in L.A. taking on the Angels first pitch at 938. So you got about two and a half hours, Scotty, to figure out whether or not Jennifer Aniston and David Schwimmer are actually dating before first pitch tonight. So I know that's a priority for you. I a lot don't of know people what that are means. hoping. What, what are you talking about? Oh, a lot of people are believing this. There's a big rumor out there that Ross and Rachel are actually dating in real life. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. You're not a friends guy? You're you're um, no, I was a Seinfeld guy. I don't think I've seen more than like maybe five episodes of you're Friends. You're kidding me. I swear to God. How is that possible? It's I, the most Arguably the most syndicated show of all time, up there with Seinfeld. I was watching Charles in Charge, like, back in the day. Um, you don't even remember that one. I can see no, your face No, it's right not. Now. I couldn't care less about that. And yeah. I'm not Mr. Friends guy, like I, but I've that seen. That sounds like you are. I've seen a lot of the episodes. It's my wife's favorite show of all time. Well, I fall go. asleep to that show every single night because she has, she has to have something on in the background. It, I can't tell you how many times I've woken up in the middle of the night listening to, you know, Rachel talk to Chandler at three in the morning, I'm like, "Why is your phone on? And why am I? Why is Friends? Why is Friends on in my house right now? It's three in the morning." I, I fall asleep to like cold case files. I'm a little, a little. <laughs> are you a darker. serial killer? I'm a little darker than that. I, I, I guess so. All right. Are you going home to eat somebody, or what is your? Plan I hope tonight? not. I got to talk to Charlie Montoya at 7:45 pregame. Then okay. I'm gonna watch a little baseball. I might, I might, uh, might see the grappler for a for a pint tonight. I don't I know. I like it. The grappler's oh. been. He snuck into the dome a couple times, and yeah, man, he loves letting the world know. He's not big on Instagram, but when he's at a ball game, he makes sure the pictures are flying. <laughs> Stories are flying. The grappler's got to make sure that everyone knows that he's down at the park. I was just on Twitter. Apparently, O is uh, doing the show with his shirt off <laughs> in a landslide. That's the landslide vote. That's not surprising. We New. posted that earlier because we were talking yeah. about how it's 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 shirts off at the work site type weather, right, throughout, throughout southern Ontario, where a lot of people are working outside, and it's like it's all a lot of guys in the neighborhood, no tarp. And... I don't think that's acceptable in this show. I'm pretty positive. It no, I don't think be. it's acceptable in the business. Like if I was down yeah. at the dome and I'm just like, "Hey, shirts off, guys." It, yeah. It wouldn't. It wouldn't go over well. What a statement that would be. If you're For, just like, "It's too yeah. hot. I'm not wearing a shirt." Shirt. Like, I mean, I'm, sorry. I'm in a suit. They won't even let me wear a golf shirt. Right. Yeah. Well, you're a sports center guy. You're a big it's shooter. A, it's not a good scene, though. You're there. a big shooter, Scotty. I'm just sweating. Well, it's great seeing you, buddy. Thank you for yeah. doing this. No, it's fun. I mean, this is your work day every week. Like, if it, you can believe flew it. By. Yeah, this is it. Three hours just talking about whatever we happen to talk about. Man. That's where it goes. That's the secret sauce, man. I need to get into this. Wherever it goes. Do you guys goes. need a fourth? Like, wherever come on it now. takes you. We can always slide in a fourth. Can they do four work? boxes? Yeah, I think they can figure that out. Yep. Mm-hmm. TSN, they're, they're creative. So I'm um, I'm we'll in. do this again down the road, buddy. Thank Hopefully. you for doing us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's there great. he is, Scott Mitchell. Uh, We are out of here. Enjoy your evenings. Enjoy the games tonight. We're back tomorrow at 4 p.m. We'll chat then.